Society builders paved the way to a better world, to a better day. A united approach to building a new society. Join a conversation for social transformation. Society builders. Ooh. Society builders with your host, Dwayne Veron. Welcome back to Society Builders, and thanks for joining the conversation for social transformation. In our last episode, we laid out the historical context of the America that was as Abdu'l-Baha arrived here. As part of that, we explored some of the forces driving racism in America and the different approaches to promoting racial justice that evolved. Today, we're going to go a little bit deeper in understanding this amazing chapter in our history. Today, we're going to dive deep in discovering why there was so much interest in hearing Abdu'l-Bahá and his message, and we'll learn more about what that message really was. And then in our next episode, the third and final episode in this sequence, we'll explore the impact this all had on Black America and on the generation of Baha'i believers. So fasten your seatbelts, it's going to be a great ride. Abdu'l-Bahá's message on race almost immediately captured the attention and imagination of Black America. I mean, Abdu'l-Bahá's travels in America got a lot of media attention, but it's nothing like the attention he got from America's black press, where the coverage was truly extensive. Now, before we discuss what Abdu'l-Bahá's message was that got such attention, I think we need to first set the stage. Why was there interest in hearing from a man, the Persian prophet, as he was dubbed? I mean, we know he wasn't a prophet, but that's how the press referred to him. Why was there such interest in hearing his views in the first place? Now, there are a number of dimensions to this fascination with Abdu'l-Bahá. For one thing, Abdu'l-Bahá's timing was picture perfect. Abdu'l-Bahá arrived in America when fascination with Persia was at an all-time peak. In 1911, just a year before Abdu'l-Bahá's arrival, an American named William Morgan Schuster had gone to Iran to serve as the national treasurer at the invitation of Iran's first parliament, its majlis. Schuster quickly emerged as a Persian hero, stamping out corruption and bringing order to Iran's finances for the first time in over a century. But this antagonized both Russia and England, who were both manipulating and controlling the Persian nation and benefiting from this corruption. In fact, Schuster so antagonized the foreign powers that Russia literally went to war with Iran, demanding his removal as a condition for removing their troops. And so it was that Schuster, this Persian hero, was forcibly removed from his office in Iran only months after he had taken up this role in 1911. Well, Schuster returns to America a hero a man who stood up to the Russians and the English, an American who single-handedly caused the outbreak of a whole war. And he began going on a national lecture tour, exposing the immoral tactics used by both the Russians and the English superpowers to control Iran. His expose is detailed and riveting. 
and eventually it led to the publication of his best-selling book, The Strangling of Persia. But the book itself didn't come out until the summer of 1912, in the middle of Abdu'l-Bahá's travels in America. But the lecture tours he gave were extensively covered. And this gave rise to a new fascination with all things Persian. In fact, the fad of the day became hosting Persian parties, where guests arrived dressed in Persian attire. So Abdu'l-Bahá arrived, literally, at the peak of this new fascination with all things Persian. So when the papers announced a talk by the Persian prophet, well, that immediately got people's attention. That was page one news. His talks to predominantly black audiences also had another dimension which gave them credibility. Because Abdu'l-Bahá himself had spent almost his entire life as a prisoner. So here was someone who could empathize with the plight of the oppressed. This added a certain credibility to his message. But perhaps the most important reason why his talks captured black attention, and we know this because the black press coverage tells us so, the most important reason was because it was almost the only religious engagement on questions of race at that time. Again, Remember, America's churches had largely gone silent on the issue of race. For black America, it was a deafening silence. And here was a religious leader from the other side of the world, from the East, preaching a message of taking a stand on race. The contrast was stark. It exposed the American church's silence. And in fact, there are editorials that appear that make this specific point. Why is it that America's churches are silent and that the only religious voice to take a stand is from this Persian prophet? So you can imagine that there was an interest, a fascination, a hunger to hear what this Persian prophet had to say, even before he delivered his speeches. In fact, just speaking to some of these audiences was itself taking a stand. It was a radical thing to do. So there was an appetite, a hunger, to hear what the Persian prophet had to say. So what was Abdu'l-Bahá's message to black America? What's perhaps most important here is to appreciate that in his talks, Abdu'l-Bahá introduces a new dimension to the race discourse in America. At the time, black America is seeking acceptance, that diversity be tolerated. But Abdu'l-Bahá brings a message that truly transcends all of this. He brings a message of race unity. In Abdu'l-Bahá's talks, he explains how racism is unnatural. That in the realm of nature, you don't see animals discriminating on the basis of their color. You don't see black and white pigeons, for example, segregating. Now think about it. Framing racism as unnatural represents a powerful and direct challenge to the kind of scientific racism that is so prevalent at the time. And not only is racism unnatural, but Abdu'l-Bahá positions diversity as attractive. A lack of diversity is dull and boring. Here he draws on that example that all Baha'is know so well, 
that were like flowers in a garden, that a garden with only flowers of one color is dull, that it's the diversity of color that brings the garden to life. And he draws similar analogies with gems of different colors. Now, this is such a contrast to the discourse of the day. Abdu'l-Bahá not only positions racism as unnatural, but he also positions diversity as attractive. Wow. So far from being something we tolerate, diversity is something we should appreciate. We become stronger as a result of our diversity. Now, this was an entirely new perspective for the audience. It elevated the race discourse to an entirely different level. It articulated a vision that transcended what people thought was even possible. Again, the predominant discourse at the time was accommodationist. Don't make waves, live with small gains. Now there was another strand that advocated for black Americans to return to Africa, a black nationalist stand, but this got little traction. And there was a new social justice strand, seen as somewhat radical at the time, that advocated for justice. And this particular strand was very nascent at the time. But now you have a fourth paradigm, an entirely fresh perspective that Abdu'l-Bahá introduces. Now to draw a modern parallel, this is much more akin to the type of speech that Martin Luther King delivered in his famous I Have a Dream speech. It's a speech that articulates a vision of what is possible. It's a vision elevating race unity. It has an appeal for both white and black America. Now, I'm not saying that Abdu'l-Bahá's speech had the same impact as Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech, but it served a similar function, acting to help his audience look beyond the horizon, look beyond their limitations to see a future that transcended the past and present. It was a message of hope, and it was inspiring. Now, what's particularly interesting, I think, is that Abdu'l-Bahá's speeches to black audiences didn't appease them. Yes, it articulated a vision. It upheld their rights and dignity. It demanded social justice. It inspired them to imagine new possibilities. But it also challenged its black audience. I say challenged because Abdu'l-Bahá's goal is not just social justice per se. It's something even greater. It's race unity. It's a step beyond justice. So it doesn't focus on punishing the white aggressor. Instead, it forges a bridge. And there are challenges for white America, but there are also challenges for black America in that call. So for example, Abdu'l-Bahá calls on African-Americans to not demonize all white America, but to also appreciate the sacrifices that so many white Americans made in the cause of freeing them from their bonds of slavery, to also appreciate the sacrifices of their white brothers. This is a challenging idea, right? It speaks to a higher goal, race unity. You can see in this guidance how Abdu'l-Bahá's focus was on race unity, bringing the races together. And there are ideas that Abdu'l-Bahá advocates in the cause of race unity that were truly radical by the standards of the time. 
including, for example, his promotion of the virtues of interracial marriage. Now, this was truly controversial. I mean, people were literally hanged for advocating this idea. In fact, in the majority of U.S. states, 30 states, in fact, interracial marriage was actually outright illegal. So Abdu'l-Bahá's talks were not just inspiring platitudes. They were substantive. They were inspiring. They were challenging. And they introduced an entirely new dimension to the race discourse in America. And most important, it was a message which got noticed. The black press covered these talks extensively, and it got black America talking. It captured the attention and the imagination of black America. Okay, now I think we've set the stage. Our last episode gave us the historical context prior to Abdu'l-Bahá's arrival. In this episode, we explored what happened during Abdu'l-Bahá's visit and particularly what his message was. So we're now ready for our next chapter here. And this is really the heart and soul of my entire theme here, the focus of our discussion, which is on how it was that Abdu'l-Bahá's message transformed the American Baha'i community. And trust me, it did. And how that Baha'i community went on to interact with and help shape the emergence of the nascent modern civil rights movement in America. How's that for society building? Now, you have to remember that the entire Western Baha'i community at the time, and I'm talking across both Europe and the United States, was about the size of what we currently think of as a Baha'i region. I mean, there was only 3,000 Baha'is in the entire Western world. So this is about the size of your regional Baha'i community. And what you'll discover in our next episode is just how incredibly influential this community became in their society building endeavors, particularly in engaging with the race discourse in America. It's probably the best example of society building in the Western Baha'i world. It's just such a remarkable story. And we're going to focus on this impact in our next episode. And just to whet your appetite a bit more, our next episode includes interviews with leading Baha'i scholars, including Dr. Robert Stockman, Dr. Chris Buck, and Dr. Guy Emerson Mount. So you're in for a real treat. So you really won't want to miss our next episode, where we continue to explore the early Baha'i engagement with the race discourse in America. That's next time on Society Builders. Society builders paved the way to a better world, to a better day. A united approach to building a new society. There's a crisis facing humanity. People suffer from a lack of unity. It's time for a better path to a new society. Join a conversation for social transformation. Society builders. For social transformation, society builders.
So engage with your local communities and explore the exciting possibilities. We can elevate the atmosphere in which we move. The paradigm is shifting. It's so very uplifting. It's a new beat, a new song, a brand new groove. Join a conversation. Social transformation, society builders. Join a conversation, social transformation, society builders. The Baha'i faith has a lot to say, helping people discover a better way with discourse and social action framed by unity. Now the time has come to lift the game And apply the teachings of the greatest name And rise to meet the glory of our destiny Join a conversation For social transformation Society builders Join a conversation For social transformation Society builders